Welcome to another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. And while you open your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 28, I am going to put 20 minutes on the clock. Well, we are back after a pause. I apologize about that and give you a little uh, peek behind the curtain. What was really going on uh, was that, uh, quite honestly, my, uh, my kids' uh, school situation changed. You know, kids went back to school um, and finding time to record um, in between uh, the changing schedules and finishing up grad school uh, became tricky. So excited to be back. Um, we are in a section of the book of Exodus where God has been establishing the people. So he's been giving them his laws, and now he's starting to give instructions for the construction of the tabernacle and how he is to be worshipped. Now, um, the tabernacle was a sort of tent. In fact, that's what it means, tent of meeting. And it was, um, it was made to be durable, it was made to last, and it was made to be highly portable. Because, of course, for 40 years, they didn't know it at the time, but for 40 years they would wander in the wilderness. But even when they got into the promised land, God still met with them in a portable meeting point. We're always trying to settle down and find permanence in a world that isn't permanent, in a world that is passing away. And so what God was trying to get across to his people is, I'm your God, you are my people, and yet this is not it. This is not the end game. This is not the final spot that the permanence you're seeking comes with the kingdom of heaven. So he's been uh, giving instructions for how uh, the tabernacle should be set up and all of the things involved. And now he's been giving instructions for the priestly garments. And in verse uh, 6 of chapter 28, where we left off last time, he says, Make an ephod of gold, of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, of filing twisted linen, the work of skilled hands. Okay, so what is an ephod? Because we don't have anything like this. The best thing I would suggest is that you get on Google and you search priestly robes. Uh, you can look up the Wikipedia page. There is a, a Wikipedia page, priestly robe, um, parentheses Judaism, and, and that'll give you the basic rundown. Uh, the ephod has its own section. It, it's, it's not hard to find these things. Like, yes, I have books and I have Bible study software that gives you like all of this stuff, but people think they need all of these things to find out stuff in the Bible. I was having a conversation uh, with one of the guys in church this week, and he was saying, like, do you need more than just the Bible to understand the Bible? Like, can you just pick it up, read it, and understand it? In general terms, I believe that you can. I believe that you can um, pick up the Bible and have all that you need for salvation through faith, all that you need for victory in this life uh, to be set apart, the big Bible word is sanctified, uh, to be made like Jesus. I believe we have all that we need. And I do believe that in general terms, especially in the Gospels and the book of Acts and the New Testament, that you can, in general terms, take and understand. It is helpful to have some uh, background to it, especially the further away from ancient agrarian society we become. 
I've recommended it before. I continue to recommend it. I will buy a copy for anyone who wants it. Haley's Bible Handbook. You can go on Amazon and find it. It's very easy to find. Haley's Bible Handbook is a great book. It's not very big, and it has a section, a little, a little write-up for each chapter of the Bible. And in if you came to, say, Exodus chapter 28, it would probably have a little drawing or picture of what we think the priestly robes looked like. Do you need that to understand? No, but it's helpful. Sometimes I think people think that you have to go to school for years and years and years to, to understand the Bible. No, I went to school to learn more about the Bible. I went to school to learn more about history, about culture, about language. I mean, all of those things are helpful. I, you know, I, uh, I went to Calvary Chapel Bible College. It was a, f- a two-year program when I went. It's now a four-year bachelor's degree, so I re-enrolled, uh, and I'm working on, on, on updating that. Uh, I just finished a master's of ministry, so I appreciate education. But if you know your Bible, if you know your Bible, if you're a reader of the Word of God, I believe you will be in large terms far and ahead of, of those who go and get education but haven't been diligent students of the Word of God. In fact, quite honestly, um, there are times in my educational experience where I had been appalled at people who have high-level theological degrees who have not read parts of the Bible in, in a serious way. I'm going to move on. So what is an ephod? The best thing I could say is it's like a smock. Um, you remember going to school and they had these smocks that they would put on in art time because first graders, you know, they're messy. And so you put on these smocks. Uh, uh, the, the most recent time that I've worn a smock is when I've had to do like an x-ray or something and they put the lead lined smock over your chest and, and everything so that you don't get, you know, radiation x-rays going into your lungs or something because uh, they're just trying to, you know, take an x-ray of your, your wrist or your arm or something. Uh, but it's 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 just to put over. So the priest would have this um, long flowing sort of robe, um, and then the ephod was sort of a, a smock that went over it. It was to be made with skilled hands. You know, I I guarantee that that the priests didn't have the skill to make these things. The idea that God's getting across is I want these things done well, but not everybody does everything. The priest had his role to play. Moses had his role to play. Later, the king had his role to play. But everyone has a role to play. If, if God had gifted you back then with skill as a weaver, um, as somebody who works with, with linen and materials, then, then this was your role to play. Everyone has a part and everyone has skills and talents. And just because um, you're not preaching on Sunday morning, it doesn't mean that we all don't have a part to play in the community of faith that is the church of Jesus. Verse 7, it is to be two shoulder pieces attached to two corners so it can be fastened. Skillfully woven waistband is to be like it of one piece with the ephod and made with gold with the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, finely twisted linen. Take two onyx stones and engrave them with the names of the sons of Israel in order of their birth, six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones in the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones of the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. 
Make the gold filigree settings and two braided chains of pure gold, like a rope, and attach the chain to its settings. So basically, on, on each shoulder were these stones, onyx stones, that had the names of the 12 tribes of Israel engraved on them. And the idea was that the priest was carrying the burden of the people on his shoulders before the Lord. Of course, the priest was an imperfect representative. He himself needed redemption. The priest himself needed forgiveness. Jesus, our high priest, when he went on the cross and the the burden, the weight of the entire world was placed on his shoulders, he was perfect in all of his ways. And he was worthy to carry the sins, not just of me and of you, but of that high priest and of the 12 tribes and of every tribe and tongue and nation, any who would call on his name. All of these things in the, in the tabernacle and later the temple are signs and, and foreshadows of either something to do with the death of Jesus Christ or something to do with the heavenly throne room. On Easter Sunday, I preached out of Revelation chapter 5. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen and you'll get a picture of the heavenly throne room. Go and read Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. Read Isaiah chapter 6. And then you'll see many things that have direct um, foreshadowing in how the tabernacle was set up. And many things in the death of Jesus is, is shown here. Even the placing of these names on the priest's shoulder, foreshadowing how our names were placed on Jesus and he went on our behalf before God the Father. Verse 15, fashion a breastplate for making decisions, the work of skilled hands. Make it like the ephod of gold, of purple, silver, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen. It is to be square, a span long and a span wide. That's about nine inches uh, long and nine inches wide. Then mount four rows of precious stones on it. The first shall be called, uh, shall be carnelian, chrysolite, and beryl. Uh, The second row shall be turquoise, lapis lazuli, and emerald. The third row shall be jacinth, agate, and amorist. The fourth row shall be topaz, onyx, and jasper. Mount them in gold filigree settings. There are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved with a seal of the name of one of the 12 tribes. For the breastplate, make make braided chains of pure gold like a rope. Make two gold rings for each uh, for it and fasten it to the corners of the breastplate. Fasten it to the two gold chains to the rings at the corners of the breastplate. And the other ends of the chains to the two settings, attaching them to the shoulder pieces of the ephod up front. Make two gold rings and attach them to corners of the breastplate on the inside edge next to the ephod. Make two more gold rings and attach them to the bottom of the shoulder pieces on the front of the ephod, close to the seam, just above the waistband of the ephod. The rings of the breastplate are to be tied to the rings of the ephod with blue cord, connecting it to the waistband, so that the breastplate will not be swung out from the ephod. So what God is saying is secure this thing tight. It's going to be heavy, and it's going to need to be secured tightly. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place... He will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastplate of decision until as continuing, 
as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also put the Urim and the Thummim in the breastplate, so they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus, Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Ooh, what's going on there? Well, first of all, like I said, God's telling him to make this thing well, and he's giving them instructions for it. I, I don't know if this applies in every, every aspect directly, but I think in general terms it does. That God has a general plan for our lives, for how we should live, for how we should form our lives. And so when we pray God's will be done, in many ways what we're asking for is the revelation of God's plan. And then the strength to live by it. It's one thing to know the plan. Oh, if only God would show me his plan. Tell me your will, O oh Lord. What if God did and you just ignored it? So many people are like, you know, I just want to know what God wants for my life. It's right here. If you, if, I'm holding my Bible up right now. It's, it's right in the word of God. I, I see so many people who say, God, show me your plan. But then if you say, well, here's what the Bible says. They say, no, 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 that's not, that's not for me. I want God's plan. Well, he, he, this is what he has said. Oh, no, that's for someone else, or that's for a different time, or that doesn't apply to me. I want to know God's plan. Here's God's plan. So in general terms, like I don't, um, you know, I'll put it this way. Uh, if I'm, if I'm put, you know, I go to Ikea, I get a new, um, bookshelf. I don't, I don't pray over the bookshelf. Maybe I should, but I don't, uh, I don't pray over the bookshelf. Lord, help me to just put this bookshelf together perfectly. I have at times later on in the process prayed, Lord, I do not understand these drawing instructions from Ikea. Please help me to understand. But in, in general terms, like I don't pray for how to like, you know, Lord, show me the perfect place to put the nail in the wall so I can hang this picture. I don't do that. But I do think, you know, God has a plan. God, show me the, the general path you want me to take. How should I put my life together? I could go this way or I could go that way. I could spend my resources this way. I could spend my time that way. What's your plan? So that my life could be well assembled the way that the ephod was well assembled with the breastplate. Now, what's this thing with the umram and the thuman? Now, um, we're going to admit that there's some mystery here, but near as we can tell, when when God's saying these stones of decision and these, um, the you know the names of, on the breastplate had something to do with decision as well, that essentially the urim and the, and the thuman were like a yes and a no. Imagine you make two stones, equal in size, equal in shape, equal in weight. You can't tell them apart if you're just reaching in a bag and you feel for them. And one stone is uh, the yes and one stone is the no. And so there are times in the Old Testament where it says that, you know, the king went and inquired of the Lord. And you would basically go and ask a yes or no question. Should I uh, go up and attack the Philistines or should I not? And they'd go to the priest, and the priest would pray, God, we pray that you would reveal this. And then he would reach in a pouch in his priestly garments, and he'd pull out a stone, and it would 
have the answer. Now, what God is doing is he's saying, I'm, I'm creating some, some sacredness about these things. I'm creating some sacredness about um, these objects so that they aren't to be treated as little gambling or, or fortune-telling, that this is only for, for important things, this is only for uh, sacred matters. But we do undeniably recognize this as primitive. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, that God the Holy Spirit is now working and moving. And I think about uh, you know the book of Acts, when the elders of the church in Antioch are praying together, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have for them. How did he do that? We aren't told. My suspicion is, is that one of them prophesied and the rest agreed. The Holy Spirit was testifying, yes, that is true. Is that a, a flawed system? Yes, in the sense that humans are flawed in our interpretation. Absolutely. But I prefer that to the rocks. <laughs> Verse 31, make the robes of the ephod entirely of blue cloth with an opening at the head of its center. There shall be a woven edge like a collar around the opening so that it will not tear. Make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells in between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate between or around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it where he ministers. The sounds of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place and when he comes out so that he will not die. Uh, it was a very sacred thing. Only the priests were to enter the holy place. And only the high priest, once a year, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, was to enter the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. And there he would go and he would bring the blood from the bull and he would sprinkle it on the ark as the offering to atone for the sins of the people for that year. There's been a lot of lore and legend built up around these bells. The idea was that if a priest went in to the most holy place and he wasn't repentant, he hadn't purified himself, he was unworthy before God that he would drop dead, and so they wouldn't hear the bells jingling anymore, and so they, they would pull him out. They, they had a rope tied around his waist, and they'd pull him out. I have read some places that say that's absolutely true, and I have read some scholars who say it's just myth, and since I don't have a, a hard thing to cite, I would say it's probably more in the, in the realm of myth, but it certainly makes sense. The idea was that you could hear them um, moving as they were doing the priestly duties. The people outside could listen and they could hear the bells uh, as the priest was working. Verse 36, make a plate of pure gold and engrave it, uh, engrave on it as a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord around it, attach it to the turban, and it is to be on the front of the turban, and it will be on Aaron's forehead, and he will bear the guilt involved in the sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate, whatever their gifts may be. It will be on Aaron's forehead continually so that he will be acceptable to the Lord. Weave the tunic of fine linen and make the turban of fine linen. A sash is to be the work of an embroiderer. Make tunics, sashes, and caps for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honor. After you put on these clothes 
on your brother Aaron and his sons anoint and ordain them, consecrate them so that they may serve as priests. Okay, so Aaron was supposed to wear this hat. It said, holy to the Lord. And then he was supposed to do his service and the, the, his sons and the other Levites were to have their uniform so that they might serve with dignity. We'll get into this next week and we'll talk about why that is and, and what's going on as we continue our study in the book of Exodus as our 20 minutes are up. 20-Minute Bible Study is a ministry of Faith on Hill Church. We are at Faith on Hill on all social media. My email is adam at faithonhill.com. We gather every Sunday morning in person and online as we study the Bible together. Video versions of this podcast are available on our Facebook, and audio versions are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. My name is Adam. I want to thank you again for joining us for another 20-Minute Bible Study.